0: around this year, um, right about the next few weeks, m- over the next month, many of you will be graduating uh, from college, some of you will be graduating from grad school, some of you will be graduating from high school, eighth grade, kindergarten, a lot of graduations going on right now. And it's also that time of the year where no one has asked me to speak at commencement, Once again, I was passed over to speak at Northwestern, and this time in favor of the CEO of IBM. What does she have that I do not have? (laughs) So you must indulge me, as uh, each time of this year, I like to put together um, a graduation address of sorts. And, And this message speaks to all of you who are graduating, and it also speaks to those of you who are a bit older and you can reflect on how you're living your life. It's been 25 years since I graduated from Richland High School in North Richland Hills, Texas. Over 20 years ago, I graduated from Arkansas Tech University in Russellville, Arkansas. And if I could go back and speak to my young self, what would I say? Well, I would look at my arrogant self... And I would say, Why is your hair so high? That's the first thing I would say. I had vanilla ice hair. Look it up, it was really high. Uh, I pursued a life of arrogance and relentless ambition. But if I could seriously go back and talk to my younger self, I would say this I would look myself in the eye and I would say, You are going to suffer. But you will be okay because in the Lord you'll be safe. I would tell my young self, you are going to suffer, believe me. But it's okay because in the Lord you're going to be safe. Now, I wouldn't believe myself being as young as I was and so I'd have to get my attention of my young self and give a couple of uh, of images, and so I would bring the hammer. And I would say, Listen to me, you are going to suffer. It's going to feel like a hammer is coming down on you time and time again. It's going to happen a lot. The hammer is going to hit you, young Jason. Get ready. The hammer of suffering. Is coming. And then I would say, but it's going to be okay. Because in the Lord, then I would give myself this image, because in the Lord, you're going to be safe. A little baseball there? You're going to be safe. Suffering's coming. The hammer's coming. But in the Lord, you're going to be safe. Now, for those of you in here who are over uh, 25, I do not need to convince you that the hammer coming, right? You bl- you're like, yes, it is coming. Get ready. Because you, you have lived the hammer. The hammer is coming down upon you plenty of times. You know suffering. I don't have to convince you about suffering. But, old people over 25, some of you are not so convinced that you're safe. You know the suffering part but you're not so sure about the safety part. And what I want to do here this morning is encourage all of us, yes, the hammer's coming, but in the Lord, no joke, not making this up, in the Lord, you are safe. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. Let's turn back to 1 Samuel. We've been in 1 Samuel for a long time. We're in 1 Samuel 19. And as we find ourselves in this portion of 1 Samuel, we are starting to witness the demise of King Saul and the elevation of King David. Disobedient King Saul is eventually going to pass off the scene as God has raised up David, who is a man after God's own heart, to take Saul's place. But Saul will not go away without a fight and he seems determined to kill David. And what we have in 1 Samuel 19, is probably a chapter you've not paid much attention to before, but what we have in 1 Samuel 19 is four snapshots or four different scenes of Saul trying to kill David and God protecting and delivering David. And what it is in chapter 19, it's a visual reminder of of what the Bible repeats time and time again, and it's that God protects his people. God protects his people. Even if you die, God is still protecting you in his everlasting clutch. Because in Christ, God protects his people. The hammer's coming. It's coming for David. It's coming for us. But in God, we are ultimately safe. So let's go ahead and jump through these four scenes, starting with scene number one, as God uses Jonathan's intervention. Let's do it. 19, verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. King Saul's having a strategic cabinet meeting with with Jonathan and all the servants, and the plan is simple, kill David. But Jonathan is on David's side, and God uses Jonathan to intervene to save David's life. Here's the first intervention. Look at verse 2. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. "'You saw it and rejoiced. "'Why then will you sin against innocent blood "'by killing David without cause?' "'And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. "'Saul swore, as the Lord lives, "'he shall not be put to death. "'And Jonathan called David, "'and Jonathan reported to him all these things. "'And Jonathan brought David to Saul, "'and he was in his presence as before.'" Jonathan reasons with Saul in wisdom. He reminds Saul how David risked his life to kill the giant and how David has done nothing but bring Saul good and it would be sin for Saul to kill David without cause. Jonathan is making a reasonable and rational case on why David should be protected and Saul seems to be buying it and he welcomes David into his presence as before. Now, let's stop there. David is temporarily safe, but, but not for long. Saul is going to come and after him again and, and seek to kill him again. Now, I just want to want you to think about this for a moment as we are speaking to our younger selves. If I could speak to my younger self, uh, if, if I could tell my younger self, I would say this. The hammer... suffering is coming upon you, and one of the ways it is coming upon you is going to be opposition. And if I were uh, 22 uh, again, I, I would not have believed you. I would say the thing that took me and caught me off guard more than anything else was that other people wanted to hurt me. Uh, Attack me. Not in the sense of of David being attacked and wanting to be killed by Saul, but but it really surprised me that people wanted to hurt me. I I, I grew up with this philosophy of life. It, it, It basically went like this. If you don't mess with other people, they won't mess with you. If you leave other people alone, they'll leave you alone. And that that was my philosophy of life. But I found that that does not hold true, especially if you are a pastor. Because this is what happens. If you leave other people alone, they will search for you. They will hunt you down. And they will attack you. And maybe it's not just for pastors. It's probably for all of you in here. It may surprise you when people turn on you. They want to do something that's harmful to you with their words or their actions. That caught me off guard. That disturbed me more than anything else. I I just couldn't believe that that was happening to me. And so as you face opposition, I'm trying to give you something this morning that I think should help you interpret the opposition coming your way. Because if it hasn't come your way, it's coming. It's it's, it's for sure coming. Here's something that that helped me interpret opposition. Let Let me read this to you. It comes from the book of Ephesians. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In the physical realm, from what we can see, Saul is opposed to David. But we are tipped off from our text, which we'll see a little bit, that there is this evil spirit sent by the Lord that is tormenting Saul. It's hard to understand that. And and as Saul is, I don't know, demonically stirred up to some extent, he is attacking David. And it would have been helpful for me to understand as a younger uh, guy, that there is consistent opposition, and oftentimes it has a spiritual component behind it. Now, I need—I need to be real quick here and do a little little. Be, be careful here, okay? Especially to the to the to the people who are married in here, husbands. Any husbands in here? Uh, be careful here because I'm not saying that in every argument with your wife, you need to say get thee behind me, Satan, all right? Don't do that. Uh, I've known some guys that do that. That's not good. But, but in some instances, you need to realize that there is a spiritual battle going on, and you're not going against someone else. There's probably some spiritual opposition behind it, and, and I really think that once you start thinking in terms of a spiritual battle and not in a human battle, you won't want to fight with, with human. Weapons like deceit, cussing, anger. If you start to see there's probably more of a spiritual component going on, you probably will start fighting uh, spiritual warfare, which, which we know, fighting with the word of God, right? Fighting with prayer, fighting with the shield of faith. So when the, the, the darts of the enemy come of us, the lies come at us, we just put up the shield of faith and they drop down. I have found it helpful to understand that some of the opposition that comes against me has a spiritual component behind it, probably for you as well. And that was definitely the case for David. Let's keep going. We're in scene number two. Let's look at David's dodging skills. Look at verse 8. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow, so they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord, you see it there? There's that harmful spirit from the Lord. God sovereignly allowed this demonic attack, kind of like Job. This harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing the lyre. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But he eluded David so that he struck the spear into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Oh, what 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 a bummer that is. You, David comes off this great victory and now he returns to this crazy guy with a spear in his hand and Saul is trying to pin David to the wall. He got this kind of stirred up demonically to pin David to the wall. Now, I want you to really pay attention right now. Don't miss me on this one, okay? In another chapter, Saul tried to do the same thing. He tried to pin David to the wall. And right after he missed, he must have been a really bad aim, but right after he missed, it said this in chapter 18, verse 12. I love that it says this. Pay attention. It says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So the spirit departed had departed from Saul, but check it out. Pay attention. The Lord was with David. Even under the threat of his life, God was with David and delivering him. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you understand what that means. That, that should be so encouraging to you. Uh, there's this popular idea floating around in Christian circles that's meant to encourage, and maybe I have quoted it before trying to encourage you, but I don't find it, I don't find it encouraging anymore. Here's the popular idea. You can't die until it's your time. You can't die until God determines you can die. And that's supposed to be kind of this motivation that no matter what kind of suffering you're undergoing, no matter what kind of risk you're taking for the gospel, you don't need to be afraid of death. You can't die until it's your time. You can't die until God decides you can die. And that's supposed to stir you up and encourage you, but it, it, it doesn't really help me. Let me tell you why it doesn't help me. Because <laughs> I'm ready to be with Jesus. And, I'm, and that, that's, I want to be with him, right? So that doesn't really encourage me. I'm ready, I'm ready to be with Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Why is death gain? Because I get Jesus. Well, you get Jesus, right? That's gain. So when you tell me, in I suffering that I can't die for its time? That doesn't help me. You know why it doesn't help me? Because I'm still here. I'm still dealing with this problem. I'm still dealing with this opposition. That, 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 that really doesn't help me. But I'm going to tell you what does help me. And this is, I'm hoping, will encourage you. I wish I could have told my younger self this. To, it's this. When you're undergoing problems, suffering, don't be thinking about I can't die. Time. Maybe that helps you. But what really helps me is to know that what I'm going through right now the suffering I'm facing right now, opposition I'm facing right now, I am encouraged by the main thing that God tells me, that he, you ready for this? He is with me. And he's with you too. In your suffering, yes, you'll see Jesus when you die later, but he is with you right now. We started out this service with the most famous psalm ever, Psalm 23. And there's a verse in Psalm 23 that says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Did you see that last part? For you are with me. Okay, now you ready? 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 Who wrote that? Who wrote it? David wrote that. Isn't that awesome? The valley, the shadow of death. Uh, maybe when some crazy king is throwing a spear at me, trying to hunt me down and kill me over and over again. I'm walking this valley of shadow of death. And what to say? He you are with me. I love that. I want to know that God's with me in the opposition. I want to know he's with me. And, and, and I think it even gets better for uh, the New Testament Christian. It even gets better for us. There's, there's this great passage. I want to leave it up for for a while on the screen. It's in Hebrews. This is great. Oh, so good. In Hebrews 4:15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you understanding what this verse is saying? These two verses are something you should probably memorize. It's saying that Jesus Christ sympathizes with you in your temptations, in your sufferings, perhaps in your opposition. You know why? Because when he was here on this earth, the hammer was directed at him. You read the Gospels, and most of it is often uh, opposition scenes where the religious leaders, <laughs> and even the Romans, people want to take Jesus out, and he's being hammered and hammered again. But can you think about what is the greatest suffering of the hammer that Jesus faced, and it would be this. It wouldn't be the, the nails in his feet by a hammer. It wouldn't be the, the nails in his hands by the hammer. It is the hammer of God's wrath that was poured out on Jesus. That is the hammer of suffering that he faced in your place for your sin all the way to death. And then he rose again, and now he's at the right hand of the Father, and now the hammer of God's wrath does not fall upon you because it fell upon Jesus. And by faith, you can be forgiven. But get this. When the hammer of opposition comes your way, Jesus from the right hand of the Father knows for sure. He says, I sympathize with you and your weakness. And get this, now you have access to the Father. Talk to him. He's with you. He'll give you grace. He'll give you mercy to help you in your time of need. That's good. Yes, when I die, I'll be with Jesus. But right now, he is with me. And he is with you as well. Let's keep going. Scene number three, bring in the wife. The wife is going to help deliver David as well. Verse 11, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him that he might kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. (laughs) David's not even safe in his own house. Saul's men are tracking him down, To kill him. But David's wife, she knew about it, and she warned David. So she has this clever plan. Look at verse twelve. So Michael let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. Michael took an image and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said he is sick. So she scoots David out the window, and then she does this classic switch move. She puts an image um, that's probably a huge idol, but we'll let that slide for right now. Why is there an idol in your house? Let it slide. She puts his idol on the bed. She puts goat's hair at its head and covers it with with clothes, and, and Saul's messengers come, and she's like, oh, David, he's sick. But Saul's not buying it. Look at verse 15. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers came, and behold, the image was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head, Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me thus and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So she's lying. She's deceiving. But somehow God is using all these schemes of Michael to deliver David. Now, what I I notice about this scene number three is that, um, did you pick up on this? Uh, Saul is relentless in his seeking. He's relentless in his hunting. He's relentless in his desire to attack and kill David. And, and, and I think what is, is sometimes discouraging is that when you hear the opposition of others directed at you and the hammer is coming, it, it hurts. But when it keeps on coming, it gets old and painful. But what have we seen so far? There's a spiritual component probably going on. Fight spiritually with the word, prayer, and the shield of faith. And know as that relentless attacks may keep coming, God is with you. But Saul's not giving up. He's not giving up. Look, look at the last scene. Scene number four, supernatural intervention. Look at verse 18. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Sam- Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoeth. Let's just stop. This is Samuel. He anointed, remember anointed David with the oil, you're the king. And now the old king, the rejected king, still wants to kill David. And he's telling Samuel this, and Samuel's like, come on. And now they're both in hiding. But Saul, relentless. Verse 19. And it was told Saul, behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. <laughs> and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. What a, what a crazy story. Saul sends his henchmen after David, and the Spirit of God comes upon him, and they start prophesying. And I'm not sure what's going on here, but it seems like their murderous attempt was temporarily subdued as they were seized with this greater power of God. The Lord stirs them up, and they start worshiping so that they're incapable of apprehending David. And it happened three times. Just, just imagine Group of men, all they can think about is we're going to kill David. They approach to kill David, revival breaks out. Second group comes, we're going to kill David, revival breaks out. Third group comes, to kill revival breaks out. Now Saul, sick and tired of all this. He's like, you know what? No one seems to be able to get a hold of David and kill him. So I myself am finally going to go and I'm going to personally kill David. Watch what happens with Saul. Verse 22. Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Seku. And he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And he went there to Naoth and Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah and he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, Is Saul also among the prophets? (laughs) Yikes. By the way, he's probably somewhat clothed, all the scholars have said, in case you're wondering. Uh, The point seems to be here that as Saul heads off to kill David, The Spirit of God comes upon him. He's incapable of apprehending David because he is prophesying and worshiping the Lord. Uh, God has clearly humbled Saul, at least at this point, where he can no longer apprehend David. That's a crazy story. Where God takes the opponent of David and at that point sees him and turns him into a worshiper of sorts. So put all the four scenes together and you you have God protecting and delivering David by by his great power, whether it's the means of Jonathan, David's dodging skills, Michael's cleverness, or the spirit of God. But for our purposes this morning, I want us to kind of put it all together and realize that the attacks of Satan are going to be relentless. And I'm not saying that every conflicts you have or every problem you have with someone else is, is, is spiritual warfare. Don't get into that. But a lot of the position that will come your way, especially for being a believer in Jesus, will often be spiritual warfare. And once you realize this, you can fight spiritually, word of God, prayer, the shield of faith. You can realize that God is with you. Now, if I could go back and speak to my younger self, I don't know if I would have believed myself that suffering is coming my way, especially in the form of opposition. I don't know if I would have believed that at 22. I don't know if I would have believed that coming out of high school. But if I could tell my my younger self, what if I could go to my younger self and give myself the specifics of the hammer? What would you say to yourself if you could give yourself the specifics of the hammer? Don't don't you, don't don't you, uh, I realize it's not as simple as saying, look, when you're 28, you are going to receive a critical email that is going to crush you. At 33, you will be falsely accused. At 49, two of your kids will turn against you. At 57, you're going to be fired. And at 73, you will hit the greatest despair of your life. You don't know that for sure. You don't know the details, but the hammer is coming. The hammer is coming. But in the Lord, you're going to be okay, you're going to be safe. And for those of you, my brothers and sisters, right now, I know some of you are you, are, you are getting it right now. The hammer is upon you. Maybe it's opposite. I don't know what it is. But I, I need to sh- let you know this. Right now, as the hammer is coming, it's going to be okay. You really are safe. It's okay. Even if you, you die, you'll be in the everlasting clutch of God because of Jesus. You are safe. I am, I am speaking the words of God to you right now. You are safe and the protecting arms of God, no matter what that hammer feels like, you are safe. God is with you. Jesus sympathizes with you. He's been here. You are safe. What we typically do when we close is I pray. But today we're going to close in a different way. For those of you who've been going to our church uh, recently and you kind of wonder, what are these songs that we sing well, a lot of the songs that we sing are written by people on the worship team. And this past week, our, our worship leader Andy Hudson sent me a song uh, written by uh, Tiffany Shue, who's back uh, back here. And once he sent me this song, you know, he, they kind of she wrote the song, he he worked it out, and they I'm looking it over, and I kind of try to proofread these songs, and uh, and. This is a song that's going to be introduced to our congregation in, a, in about a month. And I'm like, Andy, is there any way that, that you and Tiffany can, like, pull that off, like, today? I'm not a musician, okay? I'm like, yeah, just make it work out. Now, act like it's easy, right? But, but in God's grace, they, they put it together. And as we end here this morning, rather than me praying, we are going to sing a prayer to God. And this is an amazing song that connects with what we're hearing this morning of God with us and us offering ourselves to Him. But as you look at these words, just, just just, say it, sing it, listen, and make it your prayer to God. And just stay seated. No need to stand up. Let's just have this time in the presence of God where we talk to Him and listen to Him minister to us through His truth.
1: give to you All the things that you've asked me to Though I feel like I'm far from you You are here and you'll always follow through Where you lead I believe, help my unbelief What you've already guaranteed Presses on and your word is complete I submit to you Everything I do Let all my heart pursue I can't see the way forward, it's dark to me, and the road trips my stumbling feet, I will lean on the only hope in reach, though your ways are mysterious, I have faith. My pain will subside someday There is nothing that you haven't faced And I submit to you Everything I do Let all my heart pursue I will cast away the shackles that show red as virtue, and you erase my. Beacon pole. When I can't see, the way forward is dark to me. And the road trips my stumbling feet. I will lean on the only hope in reach. Though your mysterious I have faith that my pain will subside someday there is nothing that you Mysterious I have faith